Hey Geek Whisperer fans, we have a great story for you today of Leah Shob, who is looking for new work after taking a little time away from her previous job. She's since landed a technical account manager role that balances her need for technology and customer facing skills over at Turbonomics. So we're really happy for Leah and we want to share her story of how she balances those two forces of being close to the customer and close to the tech. Now to the show. And welcome back to another episode of the Geek Whispers. I'm Matt Broberg. And I'm Amy Lewis. And I'm John Mark Troyer. We're super pleased to explore with another friend of the podcast uh, this great landscape of careers. Like, where does somebody go when they've done a lot of different things? And and how do you stay close to a customer while also staying close to the, the technology? Are those two things complementary or impossibly uh, separated by our org charts? So we're happy to, to invite Leah to the show. Leah, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. My name is Leah Shobe. Um I am currently the uh, founder and CEO of Data Glass and the founding architect for it. Uh, I left Intel about six months ago and was going to take some time off um, to take care of some personal issues and to um, just kind of think about my career because I've, I've had a wide variety of things that I've done in my career and kind of put a reset on it. Um, but while I was doing that, I got uh, contacted by several people wanting me to do consulting work and be a contributing analyst for various things. So I've, I've been doing that. Um, and that's why I have the company is to basically take care of all the stuff that I've been working. So I haven't had much time off. I've been working more than I've had been able to take time off. So, so what you're telling us is you're really lousy at sabbaticals. <laughs> yes, I'm very lousy at sabbaticals. But I do have to say that, you know, I, I did carve out some time here and there. And uh, so now I am ready to get back to work. Um, I love it. That, yeah. One thing that Matt saw me um, put out there last week is just a tweet that says, who's hiring? And this is what I want to do. And, and uh, you know what? That's a little bit about that. Absolutely. And and that's the point I really want to hit on that. Uh, I saw that you were looking and in that post, uh, you, you said like you want to be customer facing. And when I think of you, Leah, I think of somebody that is a really influential in the technical storage track. Like you had a um, you have a lot of background in this. You were a technical analyst in, in the past. We're going to explore all of these pieces. But maybe we just start from that tweet as a jump off point of um, what does it mean to you to stay customer facing in your next role? Um, it's one thing that I have really loved doing throughout my career. Uh, so I, you know, I graduated with an electrical engineering degree as I went through years of being a, an engineer in the lab. I got uh, my MBA. And one thing that I found was uh, I kept getting pulled out of the lab and put in front of customers. Uh, I'd get a call from an account team saying, hey, they're going to throw us out in a week. Um, if we don't get this performance up, can you help us? And that's how I ended up becoming customer facing. And I found that I was I was just really good at it, but I didn't think of it as part of my career. I didn't think of it as a strength for me um, in my career because I was too busy in the lab 
um, you know, optimizing products, whether I was, you know, at Intel optimizing processors for enterprise applications to optimizing storage uh, at at Sun Microsystems, I ran a, a team of engineers, and all we did was optimize storage in the lab. But we did it from end to end. We did it from the end user application all the way back to the you know the back end media. Um, but that caught a lot of people's attention and kept throwing us in front of customers. Um, huh. Yeah, it's almost a necessary like complement of the work is that like those stories it's too good to keep in the lab, right? Like you have to go explain to somebody like how it works and why it's so amazing. Right. Right. So that's, that's where I, but like I said, for years, I didn't think about that as being part of my career or strength. It was more of an annoyance um, <laughs> at the time. Cause you know, you think of yourself as a scientist, you don't think of yourself as, as someone that gets thrown in front of customers. And so Sun was about to close their doors they're getting bought out by Oracle, and they had um, uh, one last, one last, uh, you know, uh, hurrah! Couple of months before uh, they were closing their doors, and I suddenly get this call from uh, VMware, and the person that called me said, you know, they they mentioned someone that I used to work with at Sun that had left and gone to VMware, and said, you know. He told me to hire you, and so I'm calling you because we need to make that happen. And I'm thinking, great, no problem. The thing is, is that it was in technical marketing. I'd never had a marketing position before. And, you know, like, I had, can't people see scientist and engineer on my resume? I know. Yeah. I'm like, me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I was the person who ran away from people from marketing, even though I did a lot of work for marketing. <laughs> You know, because a lot of the performance information we would turn into collateral and, you know, make yeah, sure that yeah. points. I even wrote the messaging, you know, because I wanted to make sure that the message was accurate. I didn't write it because I liked doing it. I wrote it because I wanted to make sure they didn't get it wrong. Yeah. You know? And, and so, that's, yeah, that's right. such an important part of an engineer. So, uh, Amy, quick jump in here. Is, is this just signs of self-loathing marketing? I was going to say, I think Leah has taken it to a new level because, Matt, you were just a self-loathing marketer. <laughs> Leah, um, inside story, I, I played on the very uh, the stalwart cloud bunnies with her. If Leah is running from a marketer, she's quite fleet of foot and can peg you with a ball on her way out. So I'd say marketers beware. <laughs> uh, just a, a, a sidebar, sidebar. What, uh, what is cloud bunnies? Can you explain us to our audience? Well, briefly, we, um, and in a funny way. <laughs> no, that's too much pressure. Um, it so it is a, a game called Vodgeball, which happens. It's a community event that happens at VMworld every year, and uh, it's the Cloud Bunnies are a team of um, majority women, um, women in technology, who who formed a team because I think the first year there wasn't there weren't any women involved or maybe the cloud bunnies were formed. Yeah. I don't know if they were the first or second year, but Gina Minks put them together. And uh, so Leah is one of the original cloud bunnies who went out and, and fought the good fight. Um, uh, more than, more than her fair share of people pegged under her rocket arm. So again, <laughs> marketers watch out. Is that, uh, <laughs> can I endorse you for dodgeball on your LinkedIn profile, Leah? <laughs> uh, sure. And we should, we should thank, thank, uh, Gina for uh, get, getting us in there. Absolutely. Yeah. 
for sure. And, and John, I mean, you're the only other person on here that has that sciencey uh, nerd and lab background. Like, does this story relate to you at all in the like slowly being coaxed out of your your space? Oh, sure. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, the 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 kind of irony is uh, in a, in the world of science and academics where I came up out of. You know, the best scientists are also marketers. I mean, they don't always know it, but, you know, if, if you're going to go on and have a great career in academia, you you're, have to be a little somewhat of a showman. Uh, so, you know, I think we've seen that in engineers, too, right? Even, well, okay, let me let me, let me me rephrase this in a way that's not cynical or, or down. It's up. But, you know, we've seen the best engineers, the princi- the, to get promoted to be a principal engineer, whether you're in, you know, research or, or development or whatever, over and over again, even the people we talk to here, the principal, one of the qualifications for principal engineers, you have to be a communicator. You have to be really good at communication because that increases your impact radius and lets you influence either the rest of the department. You know, in this case, you know, uh, Leah got pulled over into the customer side, which also happens to principal engineers. But even if you're really only talking to other nerds, you know, the communication skills is a primary requirement if you're going to be treated, uh, you know, like a principal. So... Leah, yeah, you you went from behind the scenes to customer facing, and even to into marketing uh, with with some reservations along the way, we're sure. But but let's fast forward a little bit. Um, uh, many of us uh, know you from your time as an analyst, and uh, how did that opportunity come to be? Um, well, I was a, I was at VMware, and uh, I uh, got approached by the um, by the chief strategist of the evaluator group. He's actually a mentor of mine that I've had for a long time, Randy Kearns. And Randy came up to me and he says, we're expanding the team and we need another analyst and we have a short list and you're on that list. Do you want the job? And where I was at VMware, I had spent a lot of time in performance, especially storage performance, uh, for uh, for VMware, and we'd gotten to the point where the performance for the infrastructure was pretty stable, um, and so there wasn't really mm. going to be big leaps like we had. That's that's you know, always couple- yeah that's always challenging, right, for an engineer, right? You've solved the problem, so you you need a new problem to solve. Right. So I uh, ended up taking the the opportunity to change my career a little bit because I. It was one of those things where I didn't spend enough time in my career writing, and I was kind of allergic to it. It's like I, you know, I wrote technical papers and things like that, but um, really good writing that the public reads. I hadn't had the opportunity to do that, and I thought, hmm. well, this will give me an opportunity to learn how to write. Um, this still gives me a chance to be kind of a principal engineer or architect um, because I'm working for someone who has a long history of, you know, being an engineer, being CTO, running, you know, being VP of engineering for a very long time before uh, he became part owner of this company. And I thought, well, there's a lot that I could learn from him. Um, you know, he'd had almost 50 years in storage. He, he designed some of the first tape drives and so nice. I'm thinking this is an excellent opportunity to, number one, work with a scientist and engineer, but also learn a lot about what's going on um, in the analyst community and also be able to work as a consultant, um, helping vendors go from 
you know, concept and design all the way to go to market uh, on certain products, which was pretty exciting to going to end user customers and helping them optimize their infrastructures um, or help them go through a refresh of their storage infrastructure. I had a lot so, of fun Helia, doing it. Uh, there are, I know there are many kinds of of analysts, right? There are there are analysts with stars on their bellies. There are there are blue haired analysts. There are coin operated analysts. There are, I mean, you know, I'm kind of making jokes here, but um, <laughs> there are many kinds of research analysts. And I think all, well, I don't want to say all, many technologists think you know analyst. I mean, that's kind of sitting around in a chair and thinking opinions and and and, and having opinions about things. I have opinions about things. I could be an analyst, but I have a sense that it's a little more involved than that. So. Could you tell, just maybe briefly, I don't want to go kind of into the specifics of the tech or anything, but kind of what, what did that, what did that kind of analyst that you were do? Did you go to, did you go to vendors? Did you work with customers? Did you do lab work? Did you, what, what kinds of things did you do? I did it all. Um, I spent a lot of time with end user customers. I spent a lot of time, quality time with vendors um, and uh, spent uh, just a, a lot of quality time gathering information from the both and being able to connect the dots on, you know, what is the vendor selling versus what do the customer actually need? Um, and spent a lot of time in that, that area um, and did lab validations um, and uh, some performance and optimization work. Uh, so I got to do a lot of a lot of different things as as an analyst. There, analysts come from a lot of different backgrounds. You have folks that come in from, you know, that have marketing backgrounds. And so their specialty is go to market or some type of marketing work. And, and they'll get contracted to do independent um, go to market marketing work, you know, whatever their background came from. Um, but from that, um, a lot of them understand the science of that and the science of marketing. So they're able to bring that to the table uh, as well. And that's why they're able to spend some time analyzing um, products from their vantage point. Um, so each firm kind of has uh, their own strength of where they're coming from. And so that's why it, it, it's very easy to have uh interactions and subscriptions and papers written by different analysts because you're getting different points of view. I, I'm sort of laughing to myself that I know we said at the top, you know, what can you, what do you choose if you could choose anything? And uh, I feel like we need to make a very short version of this podcast called what has Leah show not done? It might be llama farmer in Peru. Like it's the only thing I've heard that hasn't, I, I am so impressed. And the thing that strikes me that I really want to call out, um, so often we hear stories of people who maybe block themselves a little bit, even if accidentally, because to your point, they hear marketing and they think, I've never done that. Or, you know, a certain level of writing, I've never done that. And I love that through your career, instead of, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, there may be a moment of that, but it sounds like you said yes and every single time that you went for it and pushed yourself and and brought all these new skills in. It's so impressive. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I had a blast doing it. And, and, and going through my career, I was able to connect the dots on what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Do I need to strengthen those weaknesses? Um, what do I like to do? And you know, what I don't necessarily like to do or all that crazy about. 
And one thing that I found is that I love technology. Um, I love business and I love being customer facing. And my last job, my job at Intel, I got to do all three. I ran the you know solutions reference architecture team for uh, for the storage group there, and um, you know half the people on my team were biz dev folks, uh, and then you know I borrowed some architects for my team as well. So I had half biz, biz dev folks, half um, architects, and we would go to major end user customers and and find out what their problems and challenges were. And solve them not only architecturally but economically as well. Very and very cool. John mentioned in a past episode this this concept of like the difference between like what your job title is and like what your job does versus the skill sets you bring to the job. So looking forward, um, so what what do you look for when you're when you're looking out there into the opportunities ahead of you? Like what is the type of job title even that you're searching for? So I'm searching for something that allows me to um, still uh, keep my hands in the technology and actually looking forward in the technology. Because one thing that I do love doing is talking to folks about what's coming, spending time doing that and um, also getting the opportunity to get out there and evangelize again to customers and events and um, all kinds of you know, public-facing types of, of activities, but bringing the knowledge of the uh, technology, the not only the architecture, but the benefit uh, and the business benefit in helping companies be more productive and make more money. Uh, I'm finding that these types of jobs end up in the CTO's office or like a field CTO or... Um, like, uh, you know, there are some tech evangelists, but that's kind of a borderline. I noticed that that's kind of a borderline thing. Um, yeah, but, that can easily go into a full-on marketing move, movement or a full-on sales movement or or actually stay in engineering, but rarely. Um, right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're lukewarm on the term right now on the Geek Whispers. <laughs> come, full, yeah. come full circle. But I I do think we like, have. I'm, I'm more than lukewarm. I'm going to wow. go I'm anti- I would, I would beg you, Leah. Don't do it. Don't do it. But I think, I think uh, what we had talked about before, which was this idea of of the role versus the title, and I mean the example that we used was was community manager, and a, and a community manager could have a community manager title, and but a community manager kind of is a skill set because it's certainly not a career path. Uh, but a community manager could be in tech support. A community manager could be in DevRel. A community manager could be called an evangelist. It could be in social media. There's just a lot of places in the org chart that someone with a community management, which is kind of, you know, a very people-oriented role, uh, kind of depending on your audience. Uh, for, for the people that listen to this podcast, usually you have to be kind of technology-friendly too, right? So that's the kind of thing we're talking about, kind of the 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 the, the outside of the Cadbury egg versus the crunchy center. I, maybe that doesn't work. But anyway, <laughs> but Leah is this, is this MBA analyst. Uh, you know, so I, you know, so here's the thing, given our, given our kind of on the spot analysis that we just did and that we just talked about evangelists and evangelists often primary role skill set communicator, right? And, and, and some cases that's genius, right? Cause you've got to make very complicated things very simple. You also bring to the table though, it strikes me as we're talking, um, the MBA 
and kind of the analyst uh, uh, breaking things apart, putting them back together into kind of, and then kind of the road mapping, you know, MBA analyst thing. So that's a kind of a, that's a, you know, center that could be wrapped with all sorts of different candy. <laughs> I don't well, know where to go, go on to the next topic. I honestly don't. <laughs> <laughs> Amy, did you want to extend the analogy before we move forward? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a Kinder egg joke at that point. And um, we're out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I, well, so I do actually, uh, you talked a little bit, I want to pick up a thread you had said before. You talked a bit about um, things that you've learned along the way. How, and, and just dig in a little more on this, you know, what your talents might be versus what your job is. How have you, have you as you've gone through, discerned what you're good at but what you enjoy, because maybe you're really good at some things that you just flat don't like doing. So how have you made some of those choices or determinations? Um, well, part of it's been trial and error. Part of it has been, for, for example, I do not like ambiguity. It drives <laughs> me nuts. For years, it was like the biggest irritation. And I found that I was actually really good at solving ambiguity. It's like I I identify it right away and I knew exactly what to do to make everything clear, crisp, nip it in the bud so we could move forward and get work done. And I did it out of just being irritated, not realizing that that was actually a skill and a talent. And just recently... (laughs) I've actually embraced it as something I like to do. Oh, how interesting. It's solving a problem. I'm yeah. having such a moment of, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we were cut from the same cloth, my friend. That Please tell me how you did this, like how you went from being so frustrated by ambiguity to seeing it as a skill set, of that resolving the ambiguity. Um, okay, for example, my neighbor down the street has a, has a sedan business. He gets a lot of corporate events. Uh, he got one last week. He wanted me to be the coordinator at the airport where, for, you know, 14 countries full of people were coming in to the Austin airport, and I needed to get them into transportation and get them to two hotels. Okay, I'm, and, I'm going to reiterate how bad you are at sabbaticals. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> You need to just take a phony job next time or you're never going to get any time off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, no, it, uh, not everybody speaks English. And it was just nuts, right? And for some reason, I was able to do it with ease. And there, were, there was a lot of miscommunication going on with the drivers. And um there there was a there was a thing about uh getting some inspection done by one of the drivers and he's got to pay cash every time he gets done every time he comes in the airport he's got to get inspected again and he's got to pay another $15 well the other driver was supposed to get him some more money and and so the 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 driver that needed the money said okay i i want them in in fives and tens well it's a sunday there's no way he's going to just drop by an ATM and get a bunch of fives and tens. You know, they're going to come out as twenties. Uh, and, and I had him running so much, he did not have time to go into a store and get, you get denominations and all this other stuff. So, um, 
I did not know what was going on. I'm like, why aren't you getting him this money? He's like, I don't have time. And I found out why he didn't have time. And I was like, why would he need fives and tens? The inspector should have changed. So I called the guy um, that needed the money and found out from him that he had a fear that the inspector wouldn't have change. That's what caused the whole bottleneck is his fear. <laughs> so then I talked him through his fear and I said, well, when you came in this morning, what did you give the inspector? He says, I gave him a 20. I said, he gave you five back, right? He says, yeah. I said, so therefore he's got change and now it's later in the day. So he's got even more change. I said, so it's okay if we just hand you a bunch of 20s, right? And he's like, yeah, I guess I'd be okay. Soft. And, Boom. But all day long, we would have been stuck with one bus if I hadn't gotten to the bottom of the problem that that driver had fear. He just had fear that the inspector didn't have any change. And I find that, yeah, and when, when I look back at my career, there's so many times at work where fear bottlenecked or stopped a project. And the the fear or, didn't yeah. need to be there. I mean, we've all seen a product come out of a company and you look at it and you go, how on earth <laughs> did they release this? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, it's often because internally there was ambiguity or there was somebody that didn't, you know, there was something that didn't quite mesh and somebody didn't connect the dots. Is, is the is, That's the moral mm-hmm. I'm taking from your story. Oh, yes. Same, same. Yeah. The idea that somebody needs to put the pieces together. And you know what? Upon saying that, it feels pretty consistent with a lot of your job choices. It's putting the pieces together between the orgs, which, you know, I don't know if we fully advocate uh, for everybody on the Geek Whispers. Like we kind of say, like, understand your org chart and see who, who you, you know, who you line up with best. But what I appreciate so much, Leah, is that you... You actually don't. You just say no. There are such huge gaps, and in those gaps are opportunities, and you continue mm-hmm. to fill them. Um, but I think you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have been able to do that if you didn't continue to challenge your skill skills and build up your skill set. Um, so, so where do we go from here? So, what is the 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 perfect job that uh, that you see on the frontier here? Like. We understand it's going to be a combo of customer facing and technology driven. Um, but tell us more about like what you see from an industry point of view, if there are certain verticals or topics that you're most excited about, or even locations, if location is on an opportunity for you. Well, the thing that, that gets me uh, very excited right now is uh, being able to, we're, we're going through a tr- big transition right now in computing. Um, all data centers are transforming. It doesn't matter if it's a cloud data center, enterprise data center, telco. It doesn't matter where it's coming from. Everybody's going through this transformation. Um, I, with my performance background, uh, I'm just naturally into uh, efficiency, lots of efficiency. So it, uh, efficiency in the infrastructure as a whole from the, you know, from the application all the way down to the, the back end. It's very important that everything is as efficient as possible because your infrastructure is only going to run as fast as the slowest part. 
So yeah, leading with the data center, but focusing on that performance background, it makes a lot of sense. And it's really exciting. Um, Amy, I think uh, you've got a question floating around you wanted to hit before we go. So of course we have to ask you, with all your experience, you are the perfect person of saving us from our, our future selves. Um, for all the good choices you've made, what is something you would counsel someone on a career path to never, ever, ever do again? To never, ever, ever do again. Um, There's the something one, you did that you would do differently. Okay. So one thing that, that when I was working at Sun, Scott McNeely said, and I should have paid more attention to it. He <laughs> says, people do not leave companies. People leave their managers. And so, um, you know, stabbing yourself with a thousand pains, working for someone that does not connect or understand what you're doing, it's time to make a change. Um, one thing that I found is, uh, you know, if, if you've spent a reasonable amount of time working with them to see what you're doing and it's not working, um, it's, it, it's time to make a change because then you're going to end up with, a, you know, your review isn't going to be as good as you want it to be. Um, and nobody's happy. They're not happy. You're not happy. And re your review is not going to shine all the wonderful things you just did. You could kill yourself all year long doing the most fantastic things. You could be getting kudos from everybody around you, even executives from other divisions. But if your manager doesn't understand it's not going to pay off. True story. <laughs> that is, yeah. I, I think that's a really insightful thing to say. Um, and in some ways, I love, again, your journey is the positive side of that. Of it, it, That doesn't mean there's not another job and another exciting challenge. There, there, you can land well so many times that that isn't uh, a death knell. To your point, though, whenever that isn't working for whatever reason, I love how you phrased it. You know, nobody's happy in the end and, and to be brave and take a leap. Yeah. Do it, do what you love and pick your manager. That's great advice. Some damn good advice right there. Well, with that, Leah, we want to thank you so much for being on the Geek Whispers. Um, it was great to explore your backgrounds and, and I'm sure a lot of people will learn from it and be inspired by it. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, is there any place you want to point them to? Um, they can find me on Twitter, V Leah they can email me, leahshobe at gmail.com. Um, those are the probably the two best places to find me. That's absolutely perfect. So until next time, Geek Whispers listeners, thank you so much. And uh, remember to manage your own career and pay attention to your manager so that you enjoy your work. Uh, until next time, over and out. You've been listening to the Geek Whisperers podcast. Tune in on iTunes or Stitcher for regular stories of technology careers, cultures, and lives. Share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website, geek-whispers.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore whispers or at jtroyer, mjbrender, and comsninja. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>